Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different grape varieties, the different styles of wine, and the history and culture of wine. In this episode, we look at vodka, a style of spirit which can be very difficult to describe because the whole purpose of vodka is that it tastes of nothing or as little as possible. What vodka is about instead is about the mouthfeel and the texture and the structure of the spirit rather than the aromatics. So if you're coming from a wine background, vodka can be a very difficult spirit to approach. So let's look at the history of vodka and exactly why it tastes so neutral. So vodka goes back centuries, and the Polish and the Russians argue about who produced vodka first. They probably produced it around about the same time. The practice of distillation was introduced to those countries by Italian monks, and distillation was used to create perfume. But eventually the Russians and the Poles realised that you could produce something that you could drink as well. That drink would have been quite rough, a very simple distillation without any real quality, and so the spirit would have been aromatised with spices and herbs. It's very different from the style of vodka that we know today. Eventually, the aristocracy in particular realised that you could make a much more neutral and cleaner spirit by multiple distillations, and so there's almost a competition between different aristocrats to create a style of vodka as neutral as possible. And that's where the modern take on vodka as something um, which does not have many flavours comes from. And by the late 18th century, they had come up with something very close to the continuous still that is used today, and so the spirits would have been quite neutral. When NAS Coffee invented the continuous still that is used today, that was a uh, that began to be used in Russia and Poland and other vodka producing countries and the spirit was completely clean and neutral so the modern the modern style of vodka really dates back to the 19th century even though people had been trying to make that style before so something that had evolved over the centuries into something very neutral after the first world war there was the russian russian revolution of course and one vodka maker fled the country and he was called smirnoff he went to paris and tried to sell his product there but the french were not interested in this very clean neutral spirit eventually he managed to sell it to a us businessman from new york who was a who ran a distillation company and he bought the recipe took it back to new york and tried to sell it there again he had a lot of trouble selling vodka after prohibition because americans were used to the really rich, full style of bourbon, rather than the clean, water-white vodka. And so the modern kind of success story of vodka has a bit of myth and legend attached to it. Appropriately enough, it's centred around the Cock and Bull pub in Los Angeles, a British pub. And the the head of that distillation company was trying to sell his Smirnoff vodka, having great difficulty, and he walked into this Cock and Bull pub, and together with the, the owner, they came up with a cocktail that they could use to sell vodka. And legend has it that they spent hours trying to do this, and also that while they were doing this, a Russian lady walked in selling her copper pots that she had made, a traditional copper pot, and that's what the cocktail was put into. Whether any of this is true or not is another story. Most likely is that the barman had um, a lot of ginger beer and lime juice that he wanted to get rid of, and so he simply mixed it with the vodka on ice, and they called it the Moscow Mule, and that was the first real successful cocktail that got vodka into the consciousness of uh, Americans. Then in the 1950s, the culture of drinking culture in the States changed from the heady hedonistic bourbon to something much lighter and seen as um, more sociably acceptable. And so vodka became very fashionable, easy drinking, very clean, neutral aromas. It began to be used in the martini instead of gin, 
and so that a vodka martini was much easier to drink and that became the staple in households in the 50s and 60s and vodka uh, became extremely successful and is now the biggest selling spirit across the world. By the 1980s vodka was less fashionable as with most spirits uh, children reject what their parents were drinking and vodka was seen as quite staid and conservative but along came Absolut, a Swedish vodka created in the late 19th century and they ran an extremely good advertising campaign and, and good marketing too with their very uh, fashionable bottles and they, these became extremely popular and re-energized vodka in the market and, and reintroduced vodka to a younger generation Absolute also pioneered flavoured vodka. They released their Citron in the early 2000s. And again, flavoured vodka became extremely fashionable, different from the neutral clean style of vodka, which is the traditional style, just adding a flavour, a simple flavour, to the vodka to make it more interesting. And Absolute was so successful that 10 years ago, Pernod Ricard bought it for around 8 billion euros. An extremely huge uh, sale at the time, which nearly bankrupted Pernod Ricard. But in the long term, it has done them a lot of good. So that's the evolution of vodka, from the, the rough spirit to the clean spirit, and then the introduction of flavoured vodkas, which have been extremely fashionable, though going um, out of fashion a little bit now. I think that trend has flatlined somewhat. So what is vodka and how is it made? So vodka can be made from any uh, raw material that can be fermented, so usually any agricultural material. Traditionally in Russia, that material is potatoes. In Poland, it's rye. In Sweden, it's winter wheat. Also that can be used is barley, which is um, a bit more unusual. And also corn and molasses can be used but for, for cheaper styles of vodka. They don't really have the quality. So the big question is, if vodka doesn't really taste of anything, why is the base material important? Well, that base material is usually whatever's locally available. So that's probably the most important thing, convenience. But those base materials do add something to the vodka. So, for example, wheat can add a sweet vinous texture and also a bit of anise as well, and it produces a very clean spirit. Rye is soft and clean with some citrus aromas and has a light oiliness as well. Barley is uh, low in oil and so it offers a very clean, crisp vodka and also the lighter style. Potatoes are lower yielding, but they also have fewer congeners, and the vodka will be fully bo fuller bodied and more creamy. So they do have different characteristics, even though they're very subtly expressed on the vodka itself. You really have to be a vodka expert to be able to distinguish the different base materials in the finished product. With those base materials, difference between wheat and winter wheat. Winter wheat, which is used in Sweden, is... Um, planted in the autumn when it begins to germinate and then it goes dormant during the winter months and then in spring it begins to uh, germinate again and by the harvest in September the yields are higher than wheat is in general so it's quite an advantageous product in that sense. All those countries are of course cold countries so Russia, Poland, Scandinavian countries and that's traditionally where vodka has been produced and that one uh, reason that vodka is so clean and neutral is that um, for easy drinking. And I don't know if that's actually true. I mean, Scotland's pretty chilly and their whiskies are very flavoursome. But that's one um, argument for the cleanliness and neutrality of vodka. So we have those base materials. Malted barley is expensive, so usually commercially produced enzymes are bought instead. So that fermentation it, it kicks in with the enzymes rather than the malted barley, which is quite a, 
um, a labour intensive process. So the grain is cooked to break down the starch and then the enzymes are added. Potatoes are a little bit different. Uh, they, start, they store their carbohydrates as starch. The potatoes are peeled and then they're cooked down to break the starch. So almost like a runny mashed potato. And then the enzymes added to create the sugar. So enzymes are very important here. With the fermentation, the yeast strain is very important because um, a lot of flavour comes from yeast and vodka producers don't want that flavour, so they want to use a yeast with low congeners. And there has to be a lot of liquid produced because 90% of the alcoholic liquid is actually discarded, so they need quite a bit um, to have enough for the distillation. So the distillation is always continuous because vodka is a highly rectified, comes from a highly rectified spirit of 95 to 96% alcohol. So only the continuous distillation in a column still is possible and there'll be up to 42 rectifying plates within the still to get as much uh, reflux as possible and to rectify the spirit as high as possible. And on top of the column stills, there has to be another st another um, still, the um, hydroselector still, and this is to remove the methanol. So the maximum level of methanol in vodka is 10 grams per hectolitre, so a very, very small amount. And that's impossible to achieve in a two-column distillation. So it has to be demethylized by um, boiling the spirit, and that allows the methanol to rise, and then the spirit can be um, taken away. And there can be even more column stills used uh, for particularly neutral styles can be up to five columns besides the two columns that are usually the case for a continuous distillation plus the uh, middle column for the demethylization but then maybe another couple of columns to make it even more neutral as possible. Batch distillation can be used. This will be small-scale producers who make their own vodka. They have a first distillation using both the pot and continuous still, which separate, separates the volatile fractions from the water. And then the second distillation collects the heads, hearts and tails to make a highly rectified spirit, using a column still but not continuously, so just adding the batches bit by bit. And so the still is run for several hours as the fractions need to find their level in the column. So the liquid is heated and the vapours rise to the top where a head condenser starts the reflux and gradually liquid is formed on every tray and those fractions get separated out across the plates and a bottleneck eventually builds up and the ethanol cycles up and down and the temperature gradient allows other fractions to find their level and then when a sufficient rectification has taken place the collection starts, so collecting the spirit and that eases the bottleneck and so the ethanol eventually runs out and the distillation stops. That's going to be for small cells because that's much more labour intensive and has requires a lot more work from the distiller whereas a continuous still is simply doing everything for the, the distiller basically. Pot stills can be used, but the spirit must have been at some point highly rectified. So the pot still will be after the continuous distillation. And so the highly rectified spirit is diluted with water and it's put through the pot still and the cuts are made. And so there's a small impact on flavour, arguably smoothing out the mouthfeel. So again, it all depends on the style that the uh, vodka producer is looking for, whether they're looking for something with a bit more character or something completely neutral. Vodka, of course, is unaged, so it can be drunk as soon as it is made, but it must be um, diluted with water. So water dilution is extremely important because 40% of the liquid in vodka is water, which is more than almost every other spirit. Uh, so the water must be completely pure so that it does not impact the flavour or the lack of flavour of the vodka. Some producers will add glycerol or sugar to add body, but it does not affect the flavour. 
Filtration is also extremely important with vodka because we want the vodka to be as clean as possible in appearance as well as flavour. So the charcoal filtration is used to purify vodka and charcoal filtration is uh, used to remove the congeners. This is optional. Producers argue that for a well-controlled production it should be shouldn't be necessary. The argument would be that charcoal filtration is only needed when you've not made a completely clean vodka in the first place. Chill filtration is the other type of filtration and most producers use this technique and this maintains the crystal clear appearance of vodka. So charcoal filtration is filtering out any congeners left in the vodka. Chill filtration is uh, filtering out any um, impurities in the colour and appearance. So the different styles of vodka, even an unflavoured vodka from a highly rectified spirit has congeners, so there are going to be some aromas. The neutral style of vodka is going to be particularly light, it will have the multiple column distillation and extensive charcoal filtration, so they're really looking for the most neutral flavours possible, and Smirnoff is an example of that. Characterful vodkas, still low in flavour compared to other spirits, but there will some, be some um, flavour from the base material, from the wheat, rye, barley or potato so that these will not be filtered as much and not be quite as pure but still neutral compared to other spirits. And then there is the um, flavoured vodka, so the other style of vodka. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, in the past all vodka would have been flavoured with herbs and spices and fruits and botanicals um, to cover up the impurity of the spirit. So a very um, traditional example of this um, is Zubrovka, which is flavoured with bison grass. Other uh, vodkas which still exist are flavoured with rowan berries, honey, cherries, fruits, spices, and these are all natural flavours, all natural additions. Then the modern style of flavoured vodka, as I mentioned, uh, made famous by Absolute, and now nearly every vodka brand has a flavoured vodka, and these are used. These are flavoured using natural identical flavours through cold compounding, so it's not a natural product, it's identical to a natural product. And this, this has been very fashionable. Uh, lots of fruits are used, but also vanilla, caramel, pepper and chilli. Now the premium uh, flavoured vodkas will have natural flavourings, but most vodkas that you find in the market will have the nature identical flavourings. So that's vodka, a long history, very important to the culture of Poland and Russia in particular, but drunk all around the world now, on its own, neat, neutral, clean, or in the cocktails, because it's, it provides a good base for a cocktail, because it will not um, interfere with the aromas of the other ingredients too much. So thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink. 